Yeah, thanks, Chris. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, welcome to Church 214, as Chris said. My name's Kip. If you don't know me or if you're new here, this is my absolutely beautiful, intelligent, sassy, sometimes stubborn wife. And uh, so we just thought, you know, we're, as Chris said, we're starting this new series, Marriage. And uh, we thought, you know what, we're not going to preach today. We're just going to have a conversation. And we want to invite you to be a part of that conversation. I, I should say, though, that if Heidi Bolt is up on the stage, somebody's going to get preached at this morning. <laughs> but so we thought, hey, what does is, what is our life at home look like? How could we open our home to you? And, and this is what it looks like. This is, this is our actual couch. We hauled it here today, our actual table. 13, and 13 years th- old. Yeah, yeah, we just paid it off. Gosh. No, <laughs> no that's not true. That's not true. Um, and so we just thought, how, how could we open our home? And so this is where, this is where we do life every day. Yeah. We, we start the day here sometimes. We end the day here almost every day. This is where we have conversations. And so we just thought, how could we invite you? And so we invite you to be a part of our home, our living room. All right, so get comfy because we're going to. We like to have lots of coffee here. I didn't bring my coffee. Yeah, we didn't bring any coffee today. I should have. That would have been lovely. But, um, no, one thing that I love to do is to host and invite you into our home and to make you feel comfortable. And um, like Kip said, this is kind of our comfort zone. This is what um, where we feel safe. And anything can be said and not get judgment. And so... Like Kip said, we want to invite you into that. We want you to really just relax through this series and to um, see what God wants to speak to you. Um, But we want to kind of start it off with something a little bit lighthearted and fun, (laughs) because I love to have fun. I think having fun is like the best thing in the whole world. So um, Kip, I mean, I know that you're the perfect husband now, 13 years in, Um, but I wondered if you would take us back a little bit, to um, the story of when we first got married, like your first uh-oh moment as a husband. Oh, <laughs> well, that happened before we were even married. <laughs> well, so I'm going to get comfortable because I, I oh, like this story. This story. So, yeah. We're talking, I think I know which story we're talking Are we talking about the deer head story? Yes. Okay. All yes. right. So um, as, you know, everybody I think knows I'm passionate about hunting and deer hunting. So we got married in May. And that fall, I, I shot a deer, a buck. And we were newly married, and so we were poor. And if you're newly married and you're poor, just it, it passes, all right? So just eventually you will, you will get there. Don't, don't wish we that season really away. We were really poor. Yeah, we were yeah. like bologna, fried bologna sandwiches, no joke, like three times a week. Yeah, and then we went to mom's house for yeah. dinner the other night. Yeah, we pr- would pray that one of our moms would invite us yeah. to dinner. Hey, yeah. mom your day what's for dinner yeah yeah so oh, you're inviting us over it happened yeah a lot so um fast forward to to november i, I killed this buck and um it was a nice buck it was the biggest buck i had ever shot up to that point and so um i wanted to to preserve it but taxidermy is actually quite expensive to, to pay to have that done and so um, i started researching um, how i could possibly you know do my own mount myself and so um what i settled on was this thing called a European mount. And a European mount is, you've seen it if you're not familiar with it, it's basically just where it's just like the skull 
and the and the antlers or the or the horns. What either way. Um, th- if you're into left. hunting, it's kind of sexy. Yeah, it's it's, like it's really cool. It's like looking. it's the new in vogue. All the yeah. hipsters are doing it now. So, yeah. um, so I decide I can handle this. I can do this. And so um, it had been cold, and so the the head was out in the garage, preserved, un you know no no stank, and then. That night, uh, one night in, uh, I think it was December or January, Heidi was going to go out for a girls' night. And so I'm like, sweet, this is the perfect opportunity to do this project. And so she leaves. And again, we didn't have a lot of money, and so I didn't have a lot of tools to, to do this with. And so I'm like, okay, I need a pot. Because this is what you have to do. You have to boil the skull in a pot of soapy hot water for hours, like, it, and so it decomposes the flesh and the brain tissue and all this sort of stuff and turns into this lovely stew. And so I'm like, okay, well, I don't have a pot. I don't have enough money to go buy a pot, but Heidi has a pot that we received for our wedding gift. Yeah. Like and so nice I go, yeah, great pot, yeah. big giant spaghetti pot. So I go into the kitchen, I get the pot out, I fill it to the brim with water, put soap in it, and, and at the time, I didn't have a grill. So I'm like, well, this is going to happen in the kitchen. So I go get the deer head, put it in the water, and turn the gas on full blast and proceed to sit on the couch and watch whatever hunting. I was going to Probably I'm hunting, sure. yeah. yeah. Fast forward about three hours, and um, Heidi comes home. And speaking of my first uh-oh moment, like, that was the first uh-oh moment when her and some of her girlfriends came in the door and her face just turned green and she was like, what on earth is that smell? <laughs> I knew that was, that was the first time that uh, I, was, I was probably in trouble. And so um, the point of the story was is that, you know, that was a great learning experience for me in that um, I was so focused on what I wanted to do and what was important to me that I didn't really take into account how it was going to impact you and that, I mean, the reality is, is I ruined your pot. Um, you know, it took the, I boiled it for so long, it took the, the finish off the bottom and um, we still have the pot. And yeah, so if you've had pasta at my house, you have eaten from the deer skull pot. From the deer skull pot, yeah. And so it was just a great lesson in, in me kind of like, hey, I need to be more thoughtful about how my actions impact my wife. Is and that is that where um, the term boneheaded move comes boneheaded, from? Boneheaded, I think, if, at, least, at least in our marriage, right? Yeah, so, and, and it was also a good lesson. Like, Heidi was, you know, she could have, she could have, you know, just tore me apart for this, right? But she didn't. Um, she was like, hey, you know, maybe not the best move, Kip. Here, let's, let's revisit kind of this decision-making process. And she was, she was super forgiving and, and encouraging, as she always is. And so it was just kind of our first, like, hey, this is, this is married life. We have to kind of not just always think about ourselves, not just think about what we want to do, not just think about what's, you know, right here in front of us, but how does this impact um, our relationship in a greater scale? So. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, probably, to be honest, it was in your favor that that happened early in our marriage? Because I feel like if it had happened later in our marriage, um, I may not have been as kind about it. Mostly because let's, how many of you, when you're in a, you were in your dating relationship, you're on your best behavior, right? And you are using your most kind words, right? And pulling out all of the suave stops, right? And so um, I think it's probably good for you that it was early in our marriage because I was still like in the like, goo goo ga goo, like big heart eye emoji face phase. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I'm still there, but um, course, yeah. it's like a little bit more like the smoking hot, like, yeah. you know, that phase. But that's a good point. So that, that's, a, that's a really good point that, um, you know, when you start to think about it, right? Like if you've been married for an extended amount of time, um, ask yourself this question. Do you speak to your spouse the way you did when you were dating? Do you treat them the way that you did with your dating? Because um, hopefully you do, and hopefully you, it's, even, it's even more so because um, you actually know more about the person than you did when you're dating, and so you have even more opportunity to be their encourager, be their supporter. Right. Yeah. And um, if you're not, I mean, ask, your question, ask yourself the question, why? why? Why have I changed the tone? Like, it's not, it shouldn't be acceptable to have this kind of honeymoon phase and then just like, well, you know, well, you know, we've talked about it before. Well, I'm just going to say it like it is. Well, but why? Like, what are you going to gain from that? Um, use yeah, like those, Not everything that could be said needs to be said. Right. Marriage, right? And, and use those yeah. encouraging words. I mean, you know, if you, if you were in a dating relationship, and hopefully you were before you were married, but, um, like, remember that time, you know, I mean, because the person didn't change, right? I mean, they, they're, they basically probably had all those same annoying tendencies that they do today it's just you overlook them you when they happened you were just like hey i'm it's just kind of cute at the time yeah it's cute yeah. or you're like oh that that kind of annoyed me but i'm yeah. gonna let it go yeah so try to recapture that yeah and, and well keep it makes that in me think of actually uh the first time you and i spoke at length um can i tell that story is that okay about uh, meeting when on. we first yeah, met yeah yeah <laughs> So um, some of you have heard this, but when we first met, I was actually coaching um, with my dad and my sister, my little sister's soccer team. Now, Holly is, I know you think we're twins now because we look just alike, and um, I look every bit as young as she is, but um, she's 10 years younger than me. And so we were coaching her team, and uh, Kip has a little sister who's the same age, and she was on our team two years in a row. Well, unbeknownst to me, you know, there's this big age gap in Kip's family like in ours, and um, I was coaching this little blonde Savannah with Holly, and the end of the year, pizza party rolls around, and I guess Kip's mom had told him, you know, Savannah's soccer coaches are really cute, um, and I think one of them's not married. And so Kip started showing up at the games, like to support his sister, um, and at the end of the year pizza party, I had to work that night. And so all of the little girls are around the table and Kip had set Savannah up and said, Savannah, if you come home with your coach's phone number, I will give you five bucks. Well, can I interject here? Mind you, I didn't know which of the sisters was the unmarried one. So <laughs> Heather, like, I, I mean, I, it was, I was like, Hey, either number, whichever, just come just, just come just back come with, with a number. I'd been in a dry spell for a really long time. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, I didn't know that. <laughs> Ooh, anyway, so he calls. Holly gives Savannah the phone number, but she accidentally transposed two of my numbers on my cell phone. And so she also had the forethought to give her the home phone number. And so Kip calls the home phone number because my cell phone is the wrong number. And um, Matt answers. Now, Matt is a year and a half younger than me, and he can be a bit of a bulldog. Love him to death. But if he is trying to be protective of his sister, like, back off. And so I get home from work late that night. He's sitting there at the family computer, hands me this little post-it, and he's like, some guy called for you. Don't call him back. He's probably a total jerk. 
whatever, Matt, pop him on the head, go up to my bedroom. And I thought, what the heck, I'll call this guy back. So I call him back, kind of this awkward like, hey, yeah, you don't know me. I'm Savannah's brother. I don't know which sister you are, but whatever. Uh, I, yeah, are you the taller one or the little bit less taller one? Yeah. Um, anyway, so we talked for a while, and he suggested, he's like, hey, I would just, I'd love to get to know you a little bit. Would you like to meet up for coffee maybe sometime? And I said, sure, yeah, that'd be fine. Um, I'm in ministry. Um, I'm, you know, leading kids' church on Wednesday night. Let's just meet at One World right after church, so like 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday night. Okay, great. I didn't really know what he looked like. So I'm going on this, like, blind meetup and just total honesty out there, I was a little nervous that um, he might be, like, really unattractive. Um, but I wanted to go because I wanted to make sure that he knew Jesus. So that's why I went. I went to make sure this guy, because I'm like, Lord, this is random. Maybe I'm supposed to lead him to Jesus, right? So I went, and um, I walk into One World, and I was a little late because of kids' church, and so I was like, hey, I think I'm meeting someone here. It's a guy. And she, she kind of looked at me like, okay. Uh, what does he look like? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And um, then right then from the back of the corner, he kind of stood up and like motioned to me. And I was like, whoa, he's hot. That's good. This could be good. Thank you, Lord, for the option of sharing your gospel with stranger. Um, so we sat and we had a cinnamon roll together and we talked and talked and talked for like four hours, which yeah. if you know, Kip is a like miracle. Yeah. That he talked for that it was, long. It was one, definitely the same, one of the miracles, yeah. In the same setting. Yeah. And finally, the worker there, she comes around, she's like, hey, guys, I don't mean to be rude, but you have to leave. And we looked around, and, like, all of the tables had chairs on top of them. And so we had to leave at, like, 11 o'clock. Yeah, we left, and, and um, then uh, you just, like, randomly hugged me yeah. at the end. well, I'm a hugger. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of weird, though. But, I mean, I was, I, was in, I was into it. That's weird that you thought a girl that you thought was cute was hugging you. No, I thought it was weird that we had met, like, a couple hours earlier and were already hugging. But oh, well. the reason that it was so cool. Well, but I knew that you loved Jesus at that point. So I wasn't, yeah. like, hugging a random total stranger. Right. But, but what was cool about it was is that, like, that was, I mean, people fall in love in, in all different types of ways. And, and, you know, ours was kind of the cliche love at first sight, really. I mean, it, it really was. And it wasn't so much, um, I mean, yes, we were attracted to each other, but it was, we immediately became best friends. Like, that night, we just immediately became best friends. And I think, like, that's, that's also a cliche thing that you hear often is, hey, your spouse should be your best friend. Mm -hmm. And you hear that a lot. And, and I, personally, I think that that should be true. I mean, your, yeah. your, your spouse should be your best friend. And you think about it, okay, well, what is a best friend? Well, a best friend is somebody that you share your goals with, somebody that you share your dreams with, yeah. somebody that, you, um, that encourages you when you're struggling or can be there for you when you need help. Um, and so if your spouse isn't your best friend, then, then why is that? It, it, is somebody else your best friend? Is, is some other, you know, girl your best friend or some other, you know, buddy your best friend? And if so, that probably means that you're sharing those intimate things. Not that it's wrong to share those with your friends, but you're probably sharing those um, in, a, in an undue proportion with that other person right. versus your spouse. And so, um, man, I would, I would just encourage everybody, like, your spouse should be your best friend. They should be the person 
that you want to spend the most time with. I, I used to have a buddy that would kind of give me, you know, a hard time about the fact that I, I always wanted to hang out with my wife. I'm like, man, she's my best friend. I mean, you're cool and all, but like, I, w I would rather hang out with my spouse hands down every day yeah. than I would rather hang out with you. And so, like, if, if your spouse isn't your best friend, ask yourself those questions. Like, why, why are they not my best friend? Yeah. And then if they're not, they can become your best friend. You, you don't just, you're not just born with a best friend, right? I mean, that best friend comes through sharing those things and sharing right. those emotions and, and thoughts and everything. So be intentional about making your, your spouse your best friend. I think a lot of time women are looking for a best friend outside of their spouse because women love to talk and often men don't love to talk. Not always, but often. And so I think they often think, like, if I find a best friend, I can talk. And then it kind of sometimes turns into, like, talking about your spouse. Um, I love the verse in Proverbs 18, 21. It says that the, the tongue can bring life and death. And I think that sometimes we don't guard our words as much as we should when we picture it in that setting. Like, my words can either build up or tear down and destroy. And, um, you know, we get to we get to be our spouse, like in my case, your biggest encourager, your biggest fan. And um, one thing I love 13 years into marriage, Kip, and that I think you're so good at, um, and sometimes I help you with this. Um, That's true. But you still date me. And when you, when we were meeting and, and stuff, you dated me like really well. You gave me really good gifts and you were really thoughtful and made me feel like a huge priority in your life. And you still do that. Um, but um, I want to share a, a story about recently some of your fun dates that you came up with. Um, he already told me I could tell this story because I don't want it to make him look bad because he's awesome. Well, but you got to set the stage, right? So I'm going to. I okay. I know. Yeah. It wasn't all your fault. So I had just had a baby. This is like a few weeks back. We had just had our third born and um, I was a little hormonal. Let's just be honest. Um, Heather, you can stop laughing. Um, she was you know, understanding, like, Heidi, you're hormonal. Um, and I was starting to feel a little bit like life was really busy. Okay, so we have three littles under the age of five and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and life was crazy busy. Your job has never been busier. Um, and, you know, we're helping lead a church, so really, really crazy busy season of life. And I sort of started to feel like that like importance level of who I am in his life started to wane a little bit. And um, it was just how I was feeling. And so I sort of broke down and opened up one night and was like, you know, I feel like you don't even like me anymore. And I know you love me, but I feel like you don't like me. And, um, you know, did, has anything changed? And, you know, remember when we were, you know, when life wasn't this busy and difficult and um, I just shared that with you. Yeah. And, and you were like, oh. And I would, I would say, like, guys, you got to be open to that, right? I mean, I'll be honest. My, my you know, initial reaction was like, oh, gosh, here we go. Like the emotional roller coaster, you know. Um, Having babies is hard work. Yeah. Why are you crying? Like, right. I don't I understand. Um, and, but you got to suppress that. Like, she's your spouse, if, if, you know, generally – the, the female is the more emotional one, but it can go either way. And, and if whoever is the most, more emotional one, like the other needs to be there and hear them because that's what they're, they're sharing their heart with you. And so right. it actually broke my heart when she's like, I know you love me. I know you, you care for me, but I just don't feel like I'm as important to you anymore. And so that, that really hit me hard. But it was huge because you responded so well. 
You weren't like, yes, I do. You're just an idiot and you're hormonal. You know, there was no name calling. He was sensitive and he listened. And then he came up with these amazing dates. And I'm going to tell you about it because I think you can learn from this, meaning them from you. Um, so he set up my mom to have our kiddos for an evening, which was big because I hadn't been away from my infant yet. And um, he took me to a really nice restaurant. And the thing I love about this is it wouldn't cost much money. But he had spent the afternoon coming up with these little index cards. And on the front side of the card was an act of service he could do for me. Okay, so like back rub, um, time away from the kids. Um, I can't think of any of the other PG yeah. ones right now. Let's, let's be honest. They were like 99% romantic. Yeah, like sexy. Yeah. Um, but so what he did is he handed me this set of cards. And he said, go through these cards. Read what's on the front side. Do not look at the back and choose out three or four that you would like to receive on, your, on our date, okay? So I read through them, and I pick them out, and I hand them to him. And he says, okay, now in order to get these, you have to correctly answer a question about our marriage on the backside. I'm like, oh, this is easy peasy. I have an awesome memory. And so he starts to read the question on the backside, and it was trivia about our marriage. So fun things, you know, like, um, what was I wearing the first time you met me? Duh, your gray v-neck sweater with Still your white shirt yep. underneath and your jeans. Um, so I got that right. And then, you know, like how many cars have we owned since we got married? That one was a little more it's difficult like to come up with. I think we've had one like, for every year of marriage. He likes cars. Um, so anyway, it was just a really fun way. We are in the restaurant that is like dead silent with like a whole bunch of gray hairs because we were early because we had to get our kids to bed. So it was like five o'clock on a Saturday night. We're howling with laughter, crying. And the lady comes up to us and she's like, I just have to ask, are you guys on a date night? And we were like, yeah, we're, you know, 13, 12, 13 years into marriage. And she's like, I don't ever see this. She said, this is so cool. I, I never see this. She's like, are you guys trading recipes? Yeah, <laughs> baby recipes. <laughs> sure are. Um, so, no, we just, no, this is just a fun little game, you know, go away, because this isn't very appropriate for you to read. Um, so, that was really fun. Putting our napkin over the cards. But it, like, really, I was literally, like, sitting there taking pictures of him, because it was so funny. He was laughing so hard and so embarrassed, and... Um, it was just fun. We, we laughed again together. And um, so then a few days later, he came up with another fun date and he compiled a list of our favorite songs. And we played through those songs. There was like eight or so of them that make us think of each other and our dating and marriage relationship. And it was just romantic and fun and it paid off well for him. Um, and then the next one, you compiled a whole bunch of our photos from the last 13 years of memories. Yeah, this was actually my favorite one. And I think. this was really good. And we sat, you know, and um, had a nice little beverage together and looked at all of these amazing photos and just reminisced and recalled what God has done in our life and our yeah. marriage and miracles yeah. and joys and moments of disheartenment and struggle and yeah, the pain. Back, and the, the background is, is I had, um, so like everybody, right, I keep all my photos on my computer and um, in, a, in a, just a total brain fart, I reformatted my hard drive thinking that my photos were on another drive and lost um, like 20,000 photos. And um, so I had to forensically recover them, uh, which, um, long story short, I had to basically flip through every single photo file and import it over. And so it, that's where the idea came from. I'm like, oh, remember this and remember this. And I'm like, oh, look at this. And so I was like, how cool would it be to just revisit? You know, yeah. I mean, it was I mean so how cool. often? I mean, we're so good about taking pictures yeah. and then we just kind of dump them off somewhere and we never look at yeah. them. And it was cool to just go back and, you know, look at those first, 
years of, of dating and the first years of marriage and then kids coming yeah. and everything. And so it just, it just, reminded me how much God has provided for us. And as, as you've been obedient in our marriage and as you've followed the voice of God and, um, people in our lives that have encouraged us so well. And, um, the, the couple, I would say, especially the couples ahead of us. Yeah. I was, us. I would just think that the, the lesson there, right. That we can take away is that, um, we from stage and, and there's couples in, in the church here, we're always encouraging everybody to, to take date nights, take that time. And, um, the lesson is, is it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, we went out to dinner, but you could you could have done something without really spending any money. Yeah. I mean, a cup of coffee and hang out, and and those are where the most you know meaningful dates come from. Those times where it's not about how much money is spent; it's more about how much time is spent and how much effort is spent. Yeah. Um, you know, and the thoughtfulness and behind the, it. Yeah, and so just just like how can you be different? How can you do something different? And it just all harks back to those dating years, you know, right? I mean, when you were dating, it was all about, you know, being creative and doing these fun things. And then, you know, life starts to kind of get in the way. And so we have to make sure that we yeah. take that back. So Kip, talk to him about um, the couples that have been in our life that have gone before us that have, that have affected our marriage in a profound way. Yeah, so there's been um, a couple uh, different couples, and so when we got married, um, so we we took the path of most resistance getting married, we and, did. and um, yeah. it, it was it was it was a journey, um, but uh, right after we got married, and we didn't even we didn't even find these people; they they found us. They were an older couple. Um, and when I say older, they were older in, in well, they'd been, life. Married they'd been married 35 years. They'd been married 35 years. They had, you know, gone through not just the season right ahead of us, but multiple seasons ahead of us. And they had been there, they were having, you know, they had kids, they were having, you know, grandbabies and, um, man, they just took it upon themselves to just be there for us. And we didn't meet super regular with them, but it was, you know, every couple months they would mm -hmm. take us to dinner and, and buy us dinner because we, we were poor, <laughs> um, or they would have us over for dinner. Yeah. And it was just an opportunity for them to encourage us in our marriage and, and you know, um, kind of just be there for us and, and say, okay, you guys, are you having any struggles? What does this look like? And so that was huge. Um, and then and then also just um, actually, our, you know, our best friends, Chris and Heather Taves. Now, they're they probably, they're probably like, wait a minute, we're, we're mentors. We're like, not old. They're not old, but they're, they're like a half a step ahead of us in every season of life. And so they've been there for us just to be encouragers and, and yeah. kind of show, show us um, how marriage can be healthy and how it can be something that's fun and, and, and life-changing. And so um, there's just been a couple couples and it, it's been, you know, just really, really cool to, to be a part of both of those relationships. Yeah. And so I, I would just say like, you know, find those couples. If, if somebody doesn't, you know, show up at your doorstep and like, hey, I want to mentor you, then, then find <laughs> them. Um, and if you, if you do have that relationship, find somebody else to mentor. And it's not like, hey, let me tell you how your marriage could be better. It's like, hey, how can we encourage you? How, can, how can we be there for you? Yeah. How can we, hey, when, you know, you guys do find those struggles, um, how can we be there for you to, to walk through that with you? Yeah, I think there's a misunderstanding that if anyone is having marriage struggles, that they can't tell anyone about it or take any advice because then they're not strong Christians. There's this misconcept yeah. about that. But we actually walked through a season where um, we ended up getting professional marriage, or not marriage counseling, I would call it life counseling, um, because we were having some struggles with some in-law issues. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we just, we, you know, we, we started, to, we got married, and, um, man, it's a big life change. Like, it's, it's just, you go from being single, and maybe you were living at home, or maybe you were totally independent, doing your own thing, and now it's like, man, I got to run everything past this other person, and, you know, sometimes that's good, but sometimes, I don't know about that, and so we were kind of in that season, and, and so somebody had suggested us, like, you know, why don't you guys get some counseling, and so um, I was reluctant. You know, I, I, I was reluctant mostly because um, I knew what the problem was, and um, she was, she's my mom, and um, my mom was struggling to adjust to her oldest son being married, and so there was some tension, and, and so um, I didn't want to go to counseling because I knew I was going to have to face uh, what the issue was. And so we were, we reluctantly went and it was the best thing that we did. We met, met with them, you know, met with this guy like five or six times. And it was just good because it gave Heidi an opportunity to, um, share what frustration she was having without it being directly pointed at me. And it was good for me to hear him kind of rephrase the issues in a new light for me. So I was able to kind of go, okay, yeah, I could see how that's going to be a problem. And so it was just, I, I would just say, um, and I think, you, you know, obviously the, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom and about how um, wisdom comes from godly counsel and people around you yeah. in James 3.13. If, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing mm-hmm. good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And so just like, Finding other godly people that are a season ahead of you or even in this case, you know, paid to be advice givers um, and and take that wisdom and run with it. Yeah, it was so good. I think, and Kip, as we talked kind of through this story, he said that he felt like it just came down to a little bit of selfishness on his part, not wanting to admit that there was an issue coming from his side of the family that needed to be worked through. Um, Not that my side was perfect by any means. There was some struggles there too, but um, just being able to admit that. And it, I think for so, I was so proud of you because men so often don't want to admit um, because of their pride when they need help, when, when they need an assistance. And so um, I think, though, that as we and I, you know, we, you and I sit and on this couch and we talk about our marriage, other people's marriages all the time. All y'all's marriage. All We're talking the, about them. No, not really. Um, but almost always, all of the root issues come down to two things, pride and selfishness. Always. It's, it's almost always, no matter, I mean, you can take, you can, you can bring me a hundred marital issues and I guarantee you pride or selfishness or both are at the root of the issue. Yeah. I mean, I think with us, you know, we've got, we're both strong-willed and, and fairly independent. And so it's this constant readjusting of making sure that is my pride in the way? Is Am I being selfish in this area? Um, and then just really kind of doing a heart check to make sure um, that you are in a good spot. One thing that we always try to do is be the very first one to come back and say we're sorry, to admit that we're wrong. Um, because if you're having a conflict, I guarantee you that both of you are struggling in an area um, in some capacity. Yeah. So yeah. always admit that you're, be the first one to come back and admit that yeah. you're wrong. Yeah. I think it's so important and it's been so helpful for us. Cause I think, let's just be honest, marriage can be really hard sometimes. Um, and I get a little frustrated cause I feel like, especially in the Christian culture, a lot of times people are like, marriage is so hard. 
I mean, it's just so hard. And it can be. I think the better terminology would be that it requires attention and effort um, because it's also so good and it's so fun. And, and like what, what's hard about getting to wake up next to your best friend every morning and do life with them and enjoy sharing coffee and stories and life? Like I, I love doing life with you, Kip. Um, and that's a huge testament to how you act as a husband. You know, you're not... You're not um, this hot-headed husband that has to control and, you know, be in charge all the time. You really consider me and my, my position in our marriage, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah. That's huge. Thank you. I think, you know, it's, I mean, nobody, let's be honest, nobody, nobody says, like, hey, I kind of want to have a mediocre marriage. Or, hey, I want to, I, I just kind of want to skate by. I mean, I think everybody, if you ask them, if, you know, would say, hey, I want to I have a great marriage. Yeah. Well, a great marriage just doesn't happen. Like, it, it's going to require effort. It's going to require diligence. It's going to require a commitment. You know, you don't, you don't get to look like Phil by just waking up every day eating donuts. You got you to gotta, you gotta do something about it, right? You got to work out. You got you to gotta train the body. And it's the same way. Um, you know, with your marriage, like you have to, you have to be intentional about being um, focused on how to make the marriage better. And, yeah. and just for husbands, kind of the lesson from this is, um, you know, in John, in John 15, it says, no greater love than to lay down your life. Husbands, man, you have to lay down your life for your family, for your spouse, yeah. for your children, if you have children. It, it's, not, it's not like, I'm going to lay down my life when my wife is being awesome and the day is great, it's like every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to sacrifice my life for making sure that my family is first and foremost in everything. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the bar. I mean, that's the bar that's been set and that's what we have to try to attain. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, uh, it, it can be difficult to want to do that because we're wired to be self-centered and selfish. But it, when you begin to do that as a husband, your wife is going to naturally want to be more loving and more submissive and to come alongside you throughout life. Um, and so I just, I think it's so important that, um, you know, in, in every marriage um, ceremony, in every wedding ceremony, you hear 1 Corinthians talked about the, the love chapter and the characteristics that come. And I think at the time you think like, yeah, I can be patient. I can be kind. I can be loving. I can be forgiving. Um, but when, when it starts to get more difficult, you get further into marriage, it can, that's when it's really tested. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you. You, you read that verse and during, during the wedding ceremony, you're like, oh yeah, that, that's definitely what love is. And then you get I can do that. five or 10 years into marriage and you're like, you know, love is not prideful. Ooh, love is not boastful. Love isn't selfish. You know, just like, okay, yeah, that's that one's going to take a little bit of work. And so, um, man, like Heidi said, it, marriage it, it can be one of the greatest things um, that you're a part of. But you, you definitely have to put the effort in, and you have to be present. Um, you have to be present, yeah. and, and not just present, but willing to be a part of the. Well, going back to your the story about the pot and yeah. the deer skull, um, if if your marriage is if you're not paying attention to it, it will begin to rot, and it will begin to build up that disgusting aroma that came from that pot of boiling flesh. Yeah, and it was disgusting, and it and it affected everything around the situation. It affected the way our carpet smelled and the way our furniture smelled, and everything had to be washed, and it was a bad deal. But that's how marriage is. Yeah. You know, when, when we don't 
pay attention to our marriage, it begins to rot. And, and others around can pick up on that disgust and that distaste. So yeah. It, it, and focus so on your marriage. Basically, you know, just kind of to revisit that story. So if you don't know um, skulls, don't, don't get lost here, but skulls have a lot of fat in them. And so when you boil fat, it becomes airborne. And so we, I pretty much kind of fumigated the whole house. So but honey, honey so this bad. is what I'm going to do for you. So that was, that was going on 12 years ago. <laughs> and so because of that uh-oh and because of that dumb, <laughs> dumb mistake, I'm finally making it right. Here is your replacement oh, pot. thank you. <laughs> I, I promise not to, yeah, I promise not to boil any dead animals in it for you. Yeah, please, please don't. Please don't. That's sweet. Thank you very much. Um, that's really sweet. Yeah. I like it. I like the, the copper on it. Yeah. That's cute. It's, it's almost as if you picked it out. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we kind of wrap up, guys, I want to um, just challenge you. And, like, Satan is going to meddle in your marriage. If you are trying to pursue Jesus and follow him, he's not going to leave you alone. He is not going to let you skate by and implement the, the truth of 1 Corinthians 13 of what it means to love well and to put your spouse first. He's not going to let you just identify your pride and your selfishness and be done with it. He's going to put things in front of you that challenge this all the time. And um, the reason he hates marriage is because it's what Jesus is likened to with the church is the picture of marriage. And, um, you know, it's... It is just so crucial that we are paying attention to what's going on in our marriage because Satan wants to throw us off and he wants to make it something that is not positive in our life. Um, but Isaiah 62, 4 says this. It says, never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you, and he will claim you as his bride. And what that speaks to me is that Jesus is so intentional about us, his church. He is so determined to treat us so well. And that's the picture he gives husbands in treating their wives. But I think that it goes deeper than just marriage. So if you're here and you're single, you guys, this applies to so many areas of our life. This applies to friendships. I think we bail on friendships when somebody's a little bit um, frustrating us. We bail. Or we bail on our church when we feel like it's not meeting our every single need. We, we go, we're out. You know, but the thing that reminds me of the importance of this is when, Kip, you're giving 100% of effort and I'm giving 100% of effort, it's a good thing. It's not perfect. It's perfect for us, but it's a good thing. And it's the same way in church life, guys, is it's... Um, 100% of effort and 100% of effort, and then it's a good thing. Um, so I think let's not be people that are just going to bail, like in your marriage, in your friendships, in your workplace, in your um, any setting that God has put you in. Be willing to do that hard work. Be willing to set your pride aside and admit when maybe you need to reposition your heart and like carry on with what God's called you to. Um, so yeah, I just, I want you guys to be encouraged because God is so, I love that it says that God delights in us, that he calls us his bride because um, a bride as for a man is like the most beautiful picture of his woman. Yeah. So, so um, 
if you're if you are here with your spouse, we're going to pray and then we're going to dismiss here in a minute. But do me a favor, just just grab your spouse, grab their hand, and you can uh, get on your feet. Why mm-hmm. don't you get on your feet? And we're going to pray over current marriages and and future marriages. Father God, we just lift up every couple here today. Lord, we lift up them and their marriage. Lord, we ask that you would bless every marriage here. Lord, that we would be a church known for strong marriages, strong relationships. Lord, you have instilled the marriage between a husband and wife as the earthly representation of your love for your church. Lord, we want our marriages to be strong. Lord, we want them to be fruitful. We want them to be a representation of your love for us. Lord, we want husbands to lead their families well. Lord, we want them to lead with courage and boldness. And we want wives to lead alongside them, supporting them at every turn, encouraging them, not stepping away from conflict, but pressing into it for the sake of resolution. Lord, we just ask that you would use all the couples here, Lord, in a way that impacts not only our community, but communities all around us. And Lord, we pray for those um, that are yet to be married. Lord, we know that you have just tremendous things in store for them. We just ask, Lord, that you would prepare their hearts and minds for the, the season that you have coming for them. Lord, I pray that they would have a, a heart of contentment and patience. Lord, that you would encourage them that the right person at the right time will come along. And you know that time, and you know when that's going to occur. But in the meantime, they can look to you and follow you and encourage um, just themselves and their walk with you. Lord, we pray that you would bless this church. Lord, we thank you for all the families represented here. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to dismiss you. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. Go and have a great week. Amen.